0: Hello, this is Mark Goodyear with one of two special roundtable discussions to celebrate 100 editions of a world-renowned compilation series that sold more than... 120 million records since its first release 35 years ago. Welcome to Now That's What I Call A Podcast and here with me to talk about what Nile means to them, we have a distinguished panel of guests. We've got Ben Earl from one of the most successful new acts of the decade, country pop Joe the Shires. Hello Ben. Hello. We'll be joined by journalist Anna Leshkovitz very shortly from the New Statesman. On the line we have Radio 1's newest chart presenter Scott Mills. Hello Scott. Hi Mark. And Carol Decker from Hitmaker. And now, compilation regulars to POW. Hello, everybody. And we'll have contributions from stars like Callum Scott, Westlife, Mark Feely, and very many more. So, let's start by saying what was the first edition of Now That's What I Call music you bought, or maybe the first one you remember?
1: Ben? Uh, now 44. Does that make me the youngest? <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking through the, uh, the track list, and it takes me right back. I remember uh, Mambo Number no. 5. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yes, of course, Lou Baker, yeah. yeah. And w- what was track One Side One? Uh, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Yeah. yeah, I remember that very clearly. Do you remember when you got the Now album? Did you play it beginning to end? Cool. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's funny, it was one of the first CDs I ever got that was like a double CD as well. And it was just so special. It was such a different time. You know, you really invested in getting the CD. And it was like it was like the authority on, you know, these are the biggest songs of, of, the, of the last year. And, and um, I kind of miss it. I miss that, you know, going into the store, into Woolworths. <laughs> I go to Woolworths, get my Pick and Mix and get my Now. And I kind of miss that a bit.
0: So, Carol, we can say that Now has lasted outlasted Woolworths. Uh...
3: <laughs> I, used to, I used to make sweets from the Pick and mix.
0: For (laughs) goodness sake, this is not a confessional. (laughs) Um, Do you remember your first Now or the first one that you were on, perhaps? I
3: I do, actually, and I've got it somewhere on vinyl. We were rooting around for it in boxes last night. It is in the house somewhere, and it was um, two, now two. I think I sort of let the dust settle on Now One, going, "Mm, let me see what I think of this. And then you look at the artists on the next one, and um, I love Nick Kershaw and the Thompson Twins, and Relax was on it as well, I think. Um, which had been banned by Radio 1, Mike Reed. Um, so I thought I had to have that. And also, I, I, um, I, th- I think I have attention deficit disorder because I can't ever listen to a full album of anyone, even if I love them. So compilation albums suit me down to the ground, I kind of just flit across all kind of singles that I've, I'd heard on the radio.
0: We'll come back to that thought, Scott. What was your first now?
4: You know, um, I remember my parents having the very first one on, on vinyl. And, um, I kind of, to be fair, I kind of borrowed it and never gave it back. Um, (laughs) I also remember a time when my younger brother, um, I used to collect, I used to collect it on vinyl. My younger brother in a, in a fit of rage, um, decided to actually snap one of my, now that's what I call music LPs, uh, because I'd annoyed him. And, literally it was at that age the worst thing that had ever happened to me
0: have you recovered
4: only just yeah because <laughs> as, as you know as a young music fan you only i only really wanted to hear like the, the the biggest hits that i heard on the radio they were an absolute must-have and i think that they're um very useful as a kind of audio encyclopedia of of popular taste mm-hmm. it's, it's a good way also of noticing how much music has changed and all the different fads that there were. And even though you might turn your nose up at some of them, it's a good way of seeing what the nation got behind at the time. For instance, you know, when all the X Factor singles were, were, were huge at Christmas time or Despacito or, or Bob the Builder or DJ Otzi, obviously, you know, that they, that they all happened and they were very, very, popular. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a very British thing. I think that I think the now albums are so kind of deeply embedded in the, in the UK's DNA. Um, and I don't think that's going to change.
0: And talking of Woolworths, which you did, Carol, here's somebody else who clearly remembers <laughs> buying her first now. It's Paloma Faith.
1: I've got good memories of it. I bought it in a Woolworths on Stoke Newington High Street, which no longer exists. And that's quite an old fashioned shop. And what we bought mostly from there was either that compilation on cassette or those black plimsoles with a little bit of elastic over the top of the foot or pick-a-mix. <laughs>
0: so pick-a-mix is a recurring
5: yeah, theme. Can I
3: say that our Woolies went a few years ago. It's going to turn into a Woolies programme. I was getting those soles for my children at junior school. So there you go. Now albums and black soles. Very handy. What a good shop that
0: was. So, Scott, DJs are usually... You know, we we have a sort of weird relationship with music. We love it. But once we get into the radio business, we don't always still buy music. Did you continue to buy music after you started in radio? Did you buy Now albums after you started?
4: Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, when I was first working in radio, when I was, well, 16, I was still very much a buyer of the Now albums. And as Ben said, it did feel, it felt really special. And it's the only kind of, album that I can remember, really, that survived all format trends from from LP to CD to, or download and now streaming because because of a lot of reasons, because it spans several generations now. So, you know, for instance, um, it's been passed down. You know, mum would give it to, you know, their kid as a, a present. Then the kid grows up and they do the same. And it, it's basically a, a really accurate compilation of of the current biggest hits and it is tougher now with streaming because uh, you know there's so much to take in but you can't give people streams as a gift. No. You know, so I think that's why it's still there.
0: That's a really good point. And um, as you're saying, it's always been a sort of barometer of public taste. The business has changed a lot since the series started 35 years ago, but it's still a badge of honour to be on a Now album. This is Mark Feely of Westlife.
5: Getting on Now and having the Now stamp of approval was, was a lo- meant a lot to me as a person um, because, you know, I was always very much a big music fan and kind of collected all the pop magazines and posters. And so to be on a Now CD was huge for me personally. I mean, there was stuff that happened in Westlife that was huge for Westlife and huge to anybody, you know, looking from the outside in. But to me, it mightn't have been such a big deal, you know. So, yeah, sometimes things that mightn't be the first thing you would think of in a list of things Westlife has achieved would be my personal favourite achievement. Um, and so, you know, things like being on Now, I think for me it was more about being a part of legitimately being a part of pop culture and if you're on a Now CD then it really truly means that you are a part of pop culture and you're not sort of just this band that sells loads but it's not really kind of a, having a massive effect on pop culture so it was sort of a yeah a big deal for me. So
0: so um Carol you were uh, very often compiled on the Now That's What I Call Music yeah. albums. Here's what Mark's saying there true is it you know you can have huge hit albums you had Millions of records sold all over the world. America, here, Europe. Was was there something about being on a Now album?
3: Um, He's absolutely correct, and of course, you know, um, it's what you grow up with. So, you know, you were buying them when, you know, I was just sort of watching a lot of my people that I work with now. I was watching them on the telly on top of the pops, and then I'd buy a Now, and then I've gone on to do concerts with them, which has been a real buzz, you know. So you you'd have to tick those boxes as a UK artist to be on whatever the hit show was at the time. And to be on a Now album, and it's spanned across all of our careers,
0: hasn't it? And Ben, you have yet to make it with the Shaz onto a numbered Now. I'm sure you will, but you have been on Now Country, yeah?
1: Yeah, now that's what I call Country. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I was looking at all the Nows actually earlier, and there's some quite obscure ones. There's, there's obviously Now, what I call Country, and I think I saw a Now, that's what I call Sea Shanties.
4: <laughs> that doesn't have, that does not exist. <laughs> I would definitely remember that voiceover. The, the most obscure one that I own, and I do actually have several volumes of it, is Now That's What i call arabia <laughs> i think you just made that up as well no i know it's true i think there's been about 20 of them and it was when i, I went to dubai on holiday and i was like oh, i quite like the music from around here so um go into the local Virgin Megastore in the mall in Dubai, and there it
0: is. Well, I'm amazed. The brand has travelled. I knew it went to America. I didn't, go, didn't know it went to the Gulf. Uh, we are joined by Anna Leskovich, who is the Deputy Culture Editor of New Statesman. Welcome.
6: Hello. Thanks for having me. Good to
0: have you here. Do you remember your first now?
6: Well, was- when I knew that I was going to be asked that question, I had two thoughts that popped into my head. One, what an impossible question to answer, and two, 34. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked it up, and it definitely was 34, which is a great one, in my view, and... Um, Everything from Spice Girls Wannabe to Oasis Wonderwall and a lot of really naff uh, one-hit wonders on there as well, which is great.
5: Do
0: you, are you aware, Anna, of what compilations were like before now? That's what I call music.
6: Well, it's a bit before my time, yeah. I think. I know that the Top of the Pops compilation albums were very kind of terrible, cheesy covers rather than the original recordings, which to me sounds absolutely bizarre that someone would buy one of those.
0: Unfortunately I was given one as a gift and I was the most disappointed I've ever been in my life to receive it. <laughs> it wasn't T-Rex's hot love, I can tell you that that was on it. And I and I remember that I had a very I had a very Methodist uh, pair of grandparents and was given it at Christmas and I, the, the the cover was a young lady in boxing attire and I was told to not show that to my grandfather. <laughs>
3: gifts as well and it was like
0: no Carol do you do you remember the 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 compilations before now i mean they they i, I remember them being there Ronco and all the rest of that but they haven't stood the test of time have they
3: no and i kind of was just saying they were absolutely dreadful elevator music renditions of your favorite songs and i got given them as christmas presents and stuff and you had to look grateful and it was like why would i want to hear my favorite songs murdered <laughs> like this you know but hey <laughs> And they were economical as well. That was the thing, you
0: know. So there's another thing about uh, the compilation album really coming into its own then, properly in the 1980s. Ben, uh, you you don't have to buy. Uh, every single artist single you you can buy the collection. Is there something that is that the artists like about that? Is it is it good to be on a collection or would you rather people were just buying your
1: single? It's a good point. I mean, I guess it was really expensive if you you were know, trying to buy all those all those singles. Um, but yeah, I, I think that badge of honour of being on the now is probably the biggest thing as an artist. Um, like I think like Mark said earlier, it, it it was it's just that authority of this is what is in pop culture right now. And I think that's kind of the, almost a the sad thing about a lot of kids using streaming now is that I think. Scott said also about them being encyclopedias of the time it's like I don't know what was hot on streaming like you know four weeks ago what the number one streaming song was and and we won't have maybe as much of a kind of understanding of what was you know what was big at the time because everything's so disposable now and it's a uh, yeah, I think hopefully now keeps going for a long time. Let me ask you that question as the new
0: host then of the Radio 1 chart. Scott, your final question, because I know you've got a show to do. Uh, how, how, imp- how difficult is that as, as the speed of music consumption changes all the time and the way the chart is compiled all the time? How diffi- difficult is it to keep chart- the chart being important and in that context can now continue to be important?
4: Well, I, like I said, it's, um, you know what you're going to get with, with Now That's What I Call Music. It's been the definitive uh, kind of compilation of, of what is most popular in the UK for such a long time now. And, um, you know, the, you're going to get all the songs, you know, all in one place. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people, obviously everyone likes music, but sometimes you'll have people that this will be, be the only album that they will get. You know, every time it comes out, it's much easier to to access and obviously consume music now. You don't have to wait three weeks to go into Woolworths or any other shop. Um, but for a lot of people, it, it, the world we're in now can actually be quite overwhelming to people with YouTube and playlists and Spotify. So, so now is really kind of the the, the fail safe hero really it it kind of saves the day because for a lot of people it can what is happening now can be quite bewildering and um you can always turn to now and they've made it easy for you
0: and just a quick note on the chart then before we let you go uh they had to put streaming and they had to put youtube video plays into the chart because really the chart is no longer about going to a record store and handing over the the amount of money for the cd it is about the consumption of the song right
4: Yeah, but I still think it's really important because it's still um, kind of the ultimate playlist of of what is is popular music wise in the UK. And I think it would be a shame to lose it. Obviously, as I said, there's so much, so many ways to consume music now. So it's not just as simple as going and buying a single anymore. But I still think it's important because it is a pretty accurate way of finding out what's really hot at the moment.
0: Thank you very much, Scott Mills. Have a good show.
4: Thank you very much, Mark.
0: And back to the subject of uh, compilations pre-Now, here's somebody who is a solo artist but was on the Now albums as part of the very successful 80s act The Thompson Twins, Tom Bailey. Compilation albums were a massive part of my kind of taste-making process of growing up with music, you know. And in, in those days, I think sampler albums, I used to call them, when they were referred to as sampler albums, which gave you the opportunity to listen to artists on a certain label that you wouldn't have come across because, you know, you weren't buying every album that came out. So uh, I remember specifically that, uh, that Island Records, for example, did amazing samplers with all their artists on there throwing in uh, uh, sometimes a well-known track, sometimes a less well-known track. And, of course, it broadened your interest and gave you a direct... And then the ones you liked, you went out and bought those albums. So that was a slightly different thing. That was the taste-making part of, of the music world. And I guess that's
5: what partly what YouTube does now. Kids got YouTube to kind
0: of find out new things and see if they like them or not. Anna, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Mm. How people discover music. Until we started talking about 100 editions of Now That's What I Call Music, I honestly had never considered that it was a new music discovery tool.
6: No, I think it feels more like the kind of the, a product that you want people to already know that they like something on it, and that's why they'll, they'll buy it. Um, but I think the process of discovering new music now has become so much more... Individualised, for want of a better word. You know, like if you're listening to Spotify, you're getting personalised recommendations off the back of, even if you just let whatever album you're playing come to an end, suddenly you're getting all these other tracks that have been personally recommended for you. So the the process of discovering new music has changed so much that it's not really surprising that where now sits on that has changed too. But
0: arguably what Tom is saying, or Tom Bailey was saying in the clip was, you know, because people knew what they liked there's no way they were going to like all of the tracks on an hour album but by mm. playing that album they discovered music they didn't like and they, uh, they didn't know they liked rather and uh, they went they went and bought the artist album and just, it was about discovery uh, you were going to say something there carol
3: yeah i mean you could end up with a few tracks that you that isn't why you bought the album and if you listen to the whole album through you'd think oh actually that's no ba- not bad or how on earth did that get into the charts it was all, it, it was a bar- it's a barometer of the main pop chart isn't it and now like Anna was saying there's so many different personalized ways of accessing music and like for example my children who are in their teens they they do Spotify and download and streaming and and it's very specific what they listen to but in my day it was the UK charts you know the the UK top 40 that I I was interested in and so I've always enjoyed the nows from that perspective that it's sort of mainstream stuff I'm I'm not that diverse as a person, so I quite like hearing the the most popular pop hits.
0: Well, the thing is, most people the kind of main the mainstream of public uh, music consumption are not that they're not into specialist music. They, they they discover something they haven't heard before, might be a bit different than they grow to like it. Um, do, do you think, that, Anna, there's a, a case for thinking that? these now compilations were in fact precursors of what we've come to know as playlists because that's really what they were they were curated compilations collections of the biggest hits of four months
6: definitely i think there's definitely something in that i think as well like the more um the more people have control over their own playlists the the more they become a totally different beast so with with an if you as viewing a now compilation album as a playlist its job really is to be the definitive playlist of the moment to be the one that everyone can listen to and enjoy a, a really solid percentage of it the one that all those songs are the songs of that moment and now i don't think people view playlists in that way at all apart from I know a lot of people who, when they're having like a dinner party or something, will be like, oh, I want like it, jangly indie songs of the early <laughs> noughties. And you can find that playlist. It's out there. But it is um, slightly less of a... Time capsule, in a sense, because some of the bigger songs that, that don't stand up, that people don't want to listen to anymore, won't be on there. Whereas with a Now record, you know that Mysterious Girl is going to be on there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Ben, does it, we talked a little bit about a being on a Now album. Mm. Do you think in the future it's going to mean as much to you and Chrissy and the Shires as it was maybe to, you know, Carolyn
1: the 80s and 90s to be on a Now album? Unfortunately not. No, I'd love to say, you know, I mean, for me, yeah, it would be because I grew up sort of picking them out. And But I think generally for artists, it's not It's not something we talk about. And that's really awful. You know, cause like like you just said, there's not there's not a definitive kind of playlist. It's so, you consume it so quickly. I mean, you know, a lot of artists are aiming to get on like the new Music Friday ones. But, you know, you get on that and then you're off the next week. You know, that, that changes every week. And, and um, there's just, it, it's, it's just reflective of where culture is and where music is. And it's kind of sad that there isn't that definitive, this is what everyone loved this year, or this is what everyone loved that decade. It's, it's, it's We don't seem to think that way anymore, which is, I, th- I think is a really, really sad thing. We've got one more artist
0: to hear from who was on Now 94 with Dancing On My Own and 99 with You're The Reason. This is Callum Scott.
1: The thing with the Now album is it's a nod to the fact that you have clearly had an impact within the media you know um it's quite surreal to have your music being played in a cafe or in an airport or on the train or wherever it is that you are i think the thing with now is that is that they recognize artists for um the music that they've had in the charts and you know the the term hit means different things to different people i think for me hit is just when you have reached people on, on a level where it's reacting and people enjoy it and people want to listen to it time and time again. So that's what I strive to do with my music. And I'm just so happy that, that now we're supporting that.
0: So, he thinks he thinks now is supporting by validating his career
6: (laughs) yeah it's interesting isn't it because i think ben's right and that might be more of a nostalgia issue where it's like actually if you did grow up with now albums then seeing yourself on a now album must in a at least on some level be a massive like oh wow my mum might buy that i really i have made it in some way um but it's it's not it's definitely not like an indicator and perhaps never was of like cultural cachet or like trendiness or being ahead of the curve musically that's just not what it's there for
0: Biggest hits were not always the coolest hits <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. So Anna, your generation would not buy a CD, no?
6: Uh, n- you might
0: buy, buy vinyl though.
6: Not Maybe for their parents but yeah, people do buy vinyl, yeah. definitely um, You know, I think It's interesting because the vast majority of people I know listen to music and discover music through big streaming services like Spotify. Um, And, I mean, the Now CDs are on Spotify, so I guess there's an argument that you could still be listening to Now in that medium.
1: Ben? I I do wonder if, you know, there'll be a kind of... uh, If people come back to this kind of, you know, thing, hopefully, you know, a more kind of definitive... Playlist idea because you're right. It's 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 just a really strange time, especially as artists. It's very strange. It's very you don't really know what is an indicator of success at the moment as an artist. You so you look at how many streams you've got, but then you, that artist is going to have that many streams because they're on this playlist which is pushed. And it's all. It, I think it's everything's kind of finding its feet at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when kind of everyone moves to streaming, then we'll have much more of a um, a, a kind of a, a common ground for everyone. Because at the moment you have sort of young people on streaming services and a lot of old people. Well, well old old older. <laughs> I haven't moved over to it yet so it is kind of a very kind of splintered and proliferated uh, thing with music at the moment going on and I think it will all come into one place in a good 4 or 5 years I think
0: Well the one thing Carol is worth mentioning is that uh, people don't love music any less we're buying it differently we're consuming it differently but music is literally everywhere it seems you know you and I have been in and around music you making it me playing it for 30 years some 30 years. decades <laughs> uh, and but people love music probably more than ever. So would that be grounds for optimism for, you know, now 150 or now 200?
3: Yeah, I think so, especially if they're going on to the uh, playlists and the, the streaming, then obviously they're trying to shift and keep pace with what's going on. But I completely agree with what Ben said. It's kind of exhausting for an artist. I've, I've taken some meetings this week because I've got a single I want to put out. And being an old school artist, I was I sat there like I I was trying to learn maths again or something. (laughs) You know, I was just, my head hurt at the end of the conversation. I'm not entirely sure what to do. So nostalgically, yes, I miss it. It with a punctuation point, you know, a very obvious one. And you knew where you stood. You knew you were selling a a song. So, you know, I miss that. But in terms of the brand, I'm sure they're keeping pace with what they need to do to, to, to stay up in everyone's grill, you know.
0: And at that note, let's say thank you to all of our guests. Ben Earle, Carol Decker, Scott Mills, belatedly, Anna Leskovich. And please join me for our next Now That's What I Call a podcast, which will feature Corinne Drury from Swing Out Sister, journalist and long-term music fan Lee Thompson, and from Pop Justice, Peter Robinson. Thanks for listening.